Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share their insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Mimi Nakshine is the Chief Operations Officer of Gym Launch and Prestige Labs, helping gym owners create profitable clientele. She oversees all operational areas, including customer service, sales, IT, HR, finance, and marketing. Mimi was the 14th employee when she joined in October of 2017, and they've now grown to a strong 96 people in just over a, kind of 16 months. Um, prior to Gym Launch, she spent eight years working with digital marketing companies, primarily in the automotive space, and she's now proud to work at Gym Launch, which recently went from zero to $30 million in revenue in 18 months. They are not exaggerating. I know her two co-founders well, and Mimi's also one of the founding members of the COO Alliance. So Mimi, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to kind of diving in here a little bit. You guys have got a spectacular reputation as an organization on what you've built, but I want to go a little bit before that. I want you to tell us um, kind of a little bit about who you are and, and kind of where your skill set came from before we dive into even Gym Launch itself. Yeah, I'm definitely a like-to-know-everything kind of person. Um, I like having my hands in all the different pots and really understanding how everything flows and works together. Um, in school, I, you know, I went to school for business management, but I focused in uh, hospitality of all things, which I'm clearly not using that, that degree at this point. But, um, as soon as I was done, I realized I didn't want to stay in that industry and found a job doing just entry level digital marketing. Um, I supported myself by bartending on the side full time and also working full time. Hmm. That was interesting. Um, and then worked my way up through different positions in marketing. And through that, um, I kind of stepped up, I guess, according to my last company, um, as an operator, when I started seeing holes in the processes, um, whether that was within the marketing department or across the company, I just I can't help myself. I just stepped in and started saying, let's figure this out and let's fix this. Um, kind of, I guess, a fixer. Um, and that just led me to more positions that did more of that. Um, we worked on global scaling initiatives. I ended up in sales operations of all places from marketing to sales. Um, and then Alex approached me for gym launch and it was, it was kind of my, my dream job hidden. I didn't realize it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a, I see the big picture, like I see the vision and where we are going, mm. but, um, I also have the ability to see all of the details, all the inner workings of a business, of a problem, of anything and how that puzzle fits together. So I can help explain and detail how it's all going to flow together in a, a six month timeline, even for us to get to our vision and then yep. help in, you know, enforce that and enact that. I love that you mentioned that you saw all the holes, but you didn't just point them out. You actually wanted to fix them. I think a lot of people tend to point out the problems. They kind of, they're the, almost the negative cultural cancers in an organization when you point out all the problems and you don't actually want to do anything about it. What do you think was in your DNA to have you want to fix things and solve things? I kind of look at it as it's like a challenge. It's a puzzle for me. Um, it, it makes sense for me to untie a knot and then look at it in a pretty form. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I've been <laughs> one of my previous um, 
supervisors refer to my mind as the matrix. It's like you see layers upon, I know it was kind of weird, <laughs> but I was also flattered. Um, right. That you see layers upon layers of it and you see all the inner workings and it just, it drives me to solve those problems and to fix those problems. Um, it gives me momentum and I feel, I feel encouraged and energized by doing that, especially when we get to the end result and it's been completed. Well, it's interesting you even said something about, about hospitality and then you, know, you kind of laughed and said, clearly you're not using it. I almost disagree that I think in a lot of ways, people that gravitate towards hospitality really, really care about customer engagement. And I think that would probably translate into employee engagement and customer engagement both. Um, I think you probably have more of, you know, maybe you, you don't feel like you're using the hospitality skills of, you know, running a hotel or running restaurants or what have you. But I think you maybe saw a different side of that that you probably take with you today. Do you think you carry any of those, um, the lessons maybe that you learned in school? Or do you think it was all from experience where you gained your skills? Oh, absolutely. I think I learned a lot. Um, I think everything, every, you know, every experience we have in life leads us to where we are today and shapes who we are. So mm-hmm. I think that I don't think it was a wrong choice to go into hospitality and to then end up exiting. I think I learned a lot from it. Um, I did enjoy working with people when I was in that industry. Um, there were 10 years of hostessing, waitressing, bartending. You know, I interned as a general manager one summer. It just, it was just not exactly what I wanted to be doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I was interviewed by the media this morning and I was talking to the, um, the journalist and I said that one of my skills that I think I picked up along the way was around efficiencies that I learned as well being a waiter. And I said, I don't think I could have worked in this restaurant at the pace that we were at, at the high level of service that we had, had I not learned efficiency. And like every time I walked into the kitchen, I carried something. Whenever I came out, I carried something. I always saw the opportunities and things that had to get done. So I think that was a skill that I pulled. How did Alex find you? Where did he bump into you? (laughs) Um, We have a very unique story. Um, Alex is actually married to my younger sister, um, who is our our co-CEO. So they are CEO and co-CEO. I didn't and know this. What's that? I didn't know if I knew that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very unique situation. Um, Layla and I had lived in California together after she finished college. And she met him on Bumble, started dating him, brought him home for Christmas one year when, we were, when I lived in Michigan. Uh, this is at the peak of their stress, um, as they tell their story. So yeah. Alex was really stressed out that day at Christmas. Um, but we were talking at the kitchen table and he offered me a job right there. <laughs> mm. Um, and I didn't take it seriously. I'm like, who's this guy? Like sister just brought home for Christmas. I've never met him. He looks a little crazy. You yeah. know? He's intense. He's very intense. Yes. And it was just them. And it was, you know, I'm a little more traditional in my decisions in life and in the workforce. So, um, it was a good nine months of him selling me every really? time. He spoke. Yes. Um, before I submitted my, my notice. So what did he see in you that he wanted to bring into the company? And was it, um, was it because of Layla that like, that he knew more about you or did he see that kind of special something that he wanted to bring into the company as well? How did that, how did that work out? Uh, I think that I, I, I think that he saw me for me. Um, whereas Layla saw me as a sister at that point and didn't mm. quite understand what I had been doing in my career for the, wow. you know, seven, eight years before she had met Alex. Um, she, she says now that she remembers some of the things that I used to say and and it clicks. She realizes the importance of the things I used to tell her and like some of the projects that I would work on. 
Whereas Alex and I were talking, we were talking about digital marketing and, you know, my experience with SEO and, you know, paid search and all the different things and websites and working with all the different departments. And he just said, I could, I could use someone like you. Right. So your sister kind of dismissed you because of the family, the familiarity, and then Alex didn't know you. So he was more intrigued to actually learn more and listen. I don't know if it was, yeah, I don't know if it was dismissive, but I think it was just, it's just not something you really most people don't introduce that type of layer to a relationship when you're family. Like most people don't think like that. You know, you hear about what people do at their workplace, but you don't think about, Oh, they should come work with me. And like, I want to be working with them every single day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. My brother and sister both run their own companies and I would never actually want to work with them, but I don't think I ever actually sat down and thought of the real skills that they have in business. My sister, I have, cause her company's growing really, really well, but I don't think I've ever really sat down and thought about like, I wonder where I can turn to them for advice or, or the skill side. What did you see then in the company with, you know, your sister getting involved? It was, and it was quite small at the time. It was very small. Um, well, I, I interviewed them. So I made them sit down and walk me through their funnel, their, processes, their pipeline, their finances, everything, like their business plan, basically, on a Sunday afternoon to explain to me why this was a legitimate business and it was a legitimate opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very you know, logical person and that's what I needed. Seeing everything and seeing that you know, we had employees, we have payroll, um, seeing the opportunity, I think, was the biggest draw for me. Seeing the opportunity for where I could I could be useful. Um, so where I could grow and learn and obtain the skills that I wanted to obtain and while helping grow this business, I think that's what really sold me on transitioning and, you know, changing what I was doing. So, so, okay. So, so you started to see that opportunity. You saw that it was a real business and saw you could apply your skills to it. Tell everybody now what gym launch does so that we get an idea of, of the kind of business and this, the scope you're at, like you're right around a hundred employees already. Mm-hmm. Walk us through kind of what the company does and how you guys operate. So um, our, our vision is to find high margin products and services that have economies of scale that will solve gym owner problems. So it started out with information products. And that is like our, our foundation of our business. That's Gym Launch Secrets. Um, it's helping businesses generate leads, nurture them, sell them, retain them, and then ascend them. Then we have another program that's built on top of that, that really enhances that. Um, it builds on it. It has not just Facebook marketing, but it has Instagram. It has YouTube. It has, you know, Google ads. It's a little bit of everything and it has multiple different plays. So when I say a play, it's like a marketing campaign. Um, right. there could be, you know, the infamous free six week challenge, right? <laughs> that we see everywhere. It could be a bring a friend challenge. It could be big booty boot camp. You know, something that gym owners use to get more people in the door and to generate more revenue. That is our goal. Um, we also do a lot of leadership training and coaching and helping with how they scale their gyms. So we will offer um, job descriptions for key positions within the gym, um, salary recommendations based on you know kind of a, a range. Obviously, it depends on where you are, but our recommendations, um, how you should pay them how to manage your time, um, how to delegate, how to manage a meeting, how to run meetings, just all the basics of a business that I think a lot of gym owners 
forget that that's really what's happening. They're running a business. They're not trainers at that point. They are running a business. Was no one doing this in the gym space other than I would imagine the kind of franchisors or the multi-unit operators? Like I would see someone like a Orange Theory or, um, you know, an Occurs or like anyone in the kind of sports or fitness space or, or health and wellness space. But was no one doing this for independent gym owners? Not to the extent that we are, no. Um, and the cool thing is that we can work with people that are franchisees as well. Sure. It's not exclusive to independent operators. Yeah. It's a matter of if you are a franchisee, figuring out what your rules are with your franchisor and making sure you're following those on your own. Do, but, you, work, do you work with any franchisors in the fitness space at all? We do. Um, so we work with Coco Fit Club. We work with Iron Tribe Fitness. Um, there's a pet um, pet fitness, which is actually an Australian-based franchise. Hmm. They're growing very fast. So those are our three like main relationships right now. Um, but we have a lot of different gyms that are in the CrossFit space that are in the, the low ticket offer space as well. Like the $10 gyms, we have some of those. And, and you're, you're sticking to that niche, aren't you? You're not actually going into dental offices or chiropractic. You're sticking in the gym space because it's just such a huge niche and you own it. Yes and no. So we're, we're definitely sticking to it, but the reason is more, this is what we know. Alex, um, he built and launched six gyms on his own before ever building gym launch. So he has the experience. Got it. Okay. We we love our clients. We're so passionate about them. We love our gym owners, um, coming from automotive and into this, it was like night and day. I love working with our clients. So it's, I think that's a big thing. We we're passionate about this customer base. So we want to do all we can to expand on it. It's interesting. I used to be in the automotive industry as well. I was in the auto body space and, and I don't think back and go, wow, I loved auto body. I didn't like anything about auto body. No. I liked the business of building a business, but I wasn't passionate about the brand or the product at all. I didn't like getting dirty. I didn't like being in, in the garage. I didn't understand mechanics, but the gym space I could actually get like it, it just makes sense, right? It's healthy and it's intuitive and you feel good and it, Yes, Very exactly. Cool. All right. So you, you joined the company and there's around 16, 20 employees at the time. And now there's about a hundred. How did you get, well, kind of walk us through your first 90 days. How did you get on the same page? How did you get up to speed? What did you do? How did they get you up to speed? Uh, painfully. <laughs> um, no, walking in and not only into such a small business and a new business, but also walking into a position that had never existed before. It was kind of a free for all. It was a, what do you need from us is what Layla and Alex would say. So I had to create my own, on, my own onboarding and define right. what I thought was important. I shadowed every single department. I shadowed calls with clients, sales. I learned how everyone operates and how all the systems flow together, the processes. I learned the CRM. Um, I just figured my own stuff out. Um, and, did every- you com- and did you come in as the second in command? Is that what they were bringing you in to do was to, to be the operation side or... That was the intention. When I came in, though, Layla was current was operating as the COO, and Alex okay. was the CEO. Okay. Within, I think it was like five months, I had been moved to COO. Yeah, I remember. I remember that period as well because I remember talking to Layla, and she was saying that she was the COO, but she was, I guess, she, it was you that she was talking about. She she knew that she was transitioning out of that and was kind of looking forward to it. So, yeah. so you did know that's what you were moving into, though, when they brought you in. I knew that was yeah. the intention and okay. the goal. Um, but I had no, you know, I'm not going to set expectations and that I'm going to definitely get that. I'm aware of my deficits and where I may have room to grow. So I didn't know what I was going to do. How long did it take you to, to understand the industry? 
man. I'm trying to think here. I think honestly, I'm still learning to this day because yeah. I don't have as many interactions with our customers. But I think I felt really comfortable after our first summit where I interacted with them in person. Got it. So that was, I think, January of 2018. So, so three and a half months. Yeah. Okay. So a fair amount of time. Yeah. It takes time to really get to kind of understand the DNA of the industry for sure. Mm -hmm. So then, so now you've got a sister and a brother-in-law who are the co-founders. You're the COO. How did you, the three of you decide to divide roles and responsibilities and reporting structure? And uh, how did you, you divide all that up? It's changed over time. Absolutely. Um, we have probably every 90 days or so we have some sort of like conversation about, okay, what are we doing? Who's in charge of what? Like, do we need to make changes? Just kind of reassessing how the company is structured and how the three of us are structured. Um, at first it was Alex was all marketing and R and D. Layla was operations and I was directly below Layla with right. all of the departments. And then as she stepped out, she became what was called a president and kind of partnered with Alex and me. She was like, it's kind of in the middle. Yep. Um, but I had the most of the company below me. And as that grew and I became more comfortable and we were, I was really like stepping in and taking over. Um, they ended up shifting and saying, okay, we're really, we're both operating as a half of a CEO at this point. We, we make one CEO together. So that's how they came up with their CEO and co-CEO and left me to run the operations. Got it. Now, do you have equity in the company? Not currently. And is there a plan for that? Or how does that get approached or broached when, first off, it's family. And secondly, it seems to be so common these days that, um, especially Gen Y, come into companies and, and want or expect equity. How did that discussion happen or, or where are you with that? We actually haven't spoken about it. Um, you know, I think right now we're focused on figuring out a good bonus compensation, some sort of profit sharing. We don't have any of that in place. I'm straight salary at the moment. Um, and so that was our first step. As far as equity, honestly, like I'm not eager to be a business owner. Um, that is not my goal in life. Having some ownership and stake in it on paper would be nice, but it's not something that I ultimately feel I have to have. Okay. So, I think I'll approach that when I, when I feel like I need to, um, more often than not, Layla and Alex approach me about these things and offer it rather than me coming to them. Right. Interesting. They, they found a good person. So did you do, um, and one of the things we do at the COO Alliance is that we have Colby profiles done and we try to get the CEO and then the COOs to get their Colby profile. Did you do your Colby profile? I did. Yes. Do you remember what your four numbers are? I was an eight, six, six, two. Eight, six, six, two. Interesting. So you're, so the eight is a high fact finder. Somebody who asks lots of questions, naturally curious, wants to understand, which makes sense. It's totally you. The six, the second two sixes, one is, um, is follow through, which is about putting systems and SOPs and processes in place. You're kind of in the middle, higher middle there. And then fact or quick start is the third one, which is somebody who starts things and then plans later that's good that you've got kind of a reasonably high, like a middle on that. Cause it probably, they must be very high on the quick start, right? They are pretty high. Yes. I think Layla and I are tied, um, but Alex is high. That's okay. for sure. Yeah. Like my guess is that he'd be like a four, three, nine, three would be his numbers. He's, um, he's an interesting one. Um, he's, he's evolved and changed over time since I started with them. 
Hmm. Like we work really closely on improving our skill sets so we can balance each other out more. So he's become more operationally focused on things when I need him to be just like I've become more able to adapt and move quickly when he needs me to be. Interesting. And is that because you've talked about it or how have you, have you bumped heads on it or how have you evolved? All of the above. Um, in the beginning, we, we bumped heads a lot, <laughs> but we, the three of us committed in the beginning to always talking about everything, no matter how hard it is. Don't hold anything back. Like just tell each other when something's bothering you, whether it's personal or professional, because those lines are blurred here and we need to make sure that we're hundred percent on the same page at all times. And our team needs that. So Alex and I, you know, me coming from a very operations focused position, him from a very entrepreneurial kind of position and who he is, we had to figure out how to work together and where our trigger points are and where the right balance is. Mm. Yeah. And, and the fact that you, you do have that family blend is both super powerful and super um, scary at the same time, right? Powerful because you know that that blood um, kind of bonds you together and you go through brick walls for each other and you can have that passion and engagement. You still love each other the next day, which is different than a um, different than a, a hired gun for sure. How, how have they navigated being a couple and they're a great couple. How have they navigated being a couple and running a company together? Have you, have you watched them at all? And have you had to work with them as a COO on that at all? Um, I have not, I don't think I've had to work with them on it. They are very good at working on their marriage and their relationship on their own. Um, I know that they, they actually do a lot of videos and posts about this. They take time every morning to make sure that they spend time together. They make sure they have meals set together where like their phones are away. Um, they make sure they take a day off each week where they just spend time together. Um, they have the same kind of relationship where if something's bothering them, they tell each other right away. They mm -hmm. don't let it, you know, they don't hold off. If they're not good and they're about to get on a call with our team, they will not get on that call. They will figure their stuff out first. That's cool. uh, they, you know, do a lot of books, a lot of reading, a lot of talking with each other. Um, one of the things that they kind of have gone through with our clients is they actually made lists for each other of what was important to each of them. Like, it is important to me, Layla, if you do this for me and mm -hmm. if you say these things for me. And she did the same thing to him. It's almost like the, love, it's like the love languages, right? Yes, exactly. So when you've got um, the, this kind of super kind of dynamic tied couple and everybody's growing really quickly, how do you manage this growth? You guys are on really, really fast growth. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's slowing down because when I met them um, about a year ago, I think they were doing 15 million. You'll do 30 roughly this year. Um, in total, we're no, in total, we're looking at about 54 million. 54 million. And that's without any of the business that's in the pipeline. That's just if we stay the same way we are. So how are you managing that growth? Uh, <laughs> a lot of communication. Um, we do, I think we have more meetings than I had when I worked in an office because we don't have that office, you know, environment and we make sure we have our daily huddles. We have strategic team meetings. We use Voxer for group threads. We have communication cycles and cadences set up. Um, as far as like the company and the growth, we've definitely gotten caught with our pants around our ankles a few times. Um, hiring was definitely our, our weakness this year. In what way? Um, we didn't, it's like we didn't ramp up hiring in time for some launches that we had planned. Right. We thought we did, but it, it just didn't scale fast enough. And then all of a sudden we were like, we, we can't launch this right now. That's not 
feasible, we're going to break our team. So that's definitely something that we learned from and we're learning more with now. And we seem to be ahead of things at this point. Um, one of the other things is Alex has amazing ideas and growth and just plans for this business. He lives in the future. That's what we always say. And one of the things that I have to do on a daily basis with our team to make sure that we can scale is think is remember today's world. Like that's a great idea. And I know that that's exciting. Let's, let's move away from the bright and shiny object. Let's focus on today. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that our foundation is built and it's strong so that we can grow and we can meet those visions and those ideas when they come. Yeah. We've got to, as COOs, I think we often have to be really good at saying not now versus no. It's not like we're saying no to them. We're just saying not now. Exactly. So how do you say not now to him or to her and, and still harness that idea, not kill their energy? And then how do you keep track of their ideas so that you can look at them later? Well, the first and most important thing is obviously to listen. I'm, I have, I need to listen and I need to hear out what the idea is without jumping in and asking my questions like I want to. I am naturally going to say, well, what about this? And what about that? And we need to think about this. And that just totally ruins their game. Um, they want to be able to just tell me their whole beautiful vision before I say anything. So holding back and making sure that I let them have that time and that, that moment with me. Um, and then I will like carefully choose just a few questions to ask. Um, the most important ones, typically what I'll do is I'll ask them to prioritize based on the other items that we already have in the pipeline Hmm. and forcing them to prioritize and reminding them of the other things that are going on will help kind of reset expectations between both of us so that I know what their idea is. They understand, okay, well, what's the reality? And then we can go from there. Now you, you, as a company, you just launched a huge new category in terms of supplements. Like this was completely different from anything you've been doing before. How did you go about green lighting that decision? And how did you go about moving into that space? Um, I'm really curious as to how you went from kind of an information um, a marketing company to, and helping other company to like having a product side of the business? Well, when I first got hired, Alex told me we were going to launch supplements by the new year. So that would have been beginning of 2018. Uh, we did not actually even beta test it until August of 2018. So a lot of that was me just putting my foot down and saying, there's no way there, there's no way that this makes sense. This is not ready. I don't understand it. This isn't built. We don't have the team, you know, Unfortunately, kind of like dashing his dreams, but putting it into reality, like this is what's the realistic situation that we're dealing with right now. Um, Alex had actually had the idea to do a supplements product before gym launch existed. So this is something that he had been working on for a long time in his mind and to see it come to fruition, he's very excited. But, um, so the idea came from Alex originally and we worked over time I think that the moment that we agreed, okay, this can actually come to life was when our, of all people, our head of customer service stepped in and said she wanted to own the launch of supplements. Hmm. We were blown away. It, it was, it's, it seemed unnatural based on like her personality type, who who is as a person and as an employee, but she said she wanted to own it and that she felt she could do it. So having somebody as that point person and owner, I think really gave us like confidence to move forward. So what were the big lessons then from launching this that you, you think you've internalized as a company? What did you guys pull off from this? Um, any new ideas need to be loop in all the right parties from the beginning. 
it can't be a, okay, well, we're going to build it and then we'll bring in the, like all the right parties later just because they don't have time right now. That's not possible. We need to make sure they're in it from the beginning so they understand everything from the start and they see the vision and they see it being built. That, that was probably our biggest learning. Um, some of our not so fun learnings are um, going international is not easy. And um, there are a lot of hoops to jump through and legalities and taxes and fun uh, regulations. So that's been a, a, a big learning for us. Have for you sure. pulled back on any of that at all? Right now we're in the U.S. and Canada with supplements. Um, so Canada gave us some still dealing with it, but we've, from the client-facing side, we resolved them. On the back end, we're still dealing with it. Um, as far as the other countries we're looking at, Australia, UK, Ireland, and New Zealand, I said very clearly that you need to tell our clients that we are not any closer to making this happen, and this is why. Yep. So we, Alex had to kind of take a step back and say, hey, like, I messed up, or we messed up. We didn't, we didn't think about this in, you know, fully, because we thought shipping was going to be the biggest problem. It cannot make any logical sense to go to New Zealand when the country is only 4 million people. I mean, there's less people in you know, New Zealand, there are not in Texas or, or there's 10 times as many in California. Well, our reasoning is right now, all of the supplements clients are our gym launch clients. Sure. Of course. All the distributors. So we're yeah. looking at where we have the most distributors on our end that need the product. Okay. They are consuming the, the information product that's supplement selling secrets, but they yeah. can't actually get the tangible goods. So Australia and UK are top two. Yeah, and easy, then, for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, hopefully we're thinking that New Zealand and Ireland will come a little bit easier after we implement those first two. I might just cut everybody in New Zealand a check and say, sorry, we can't help you. Um, but like <laughs> you, we'll come visit. We'll run an event there, but anyway, I don't know. Um, yeah. We'll see. I, I had the second in command for Bulletproof Coffee on recently, and she was just saying that uh, – that they shut down a bunch of their international expansion because of how complicated it got and how focused she wanted to keep them. Um, mm -hmm. That the big shiny objects had to kind of get more and more myopically focused and then uh, that's kind of helped propel their growth. So what's, what's next for Gym Launch? Where's the next focus that we can expect to see in the next couple of weeks? Is there anything that you can kind of tell us is coming? Couple of weeks, man. Couple of weeks, we couple months. Couple months. Um, obviously, well, obviously the supplements expansion. Um, we are working on a piece of technology, which will be coming hopefully mid-year ish, mid-year mm -hmm. to quarter three, um, which will it's expected to really solve gym owner retention problems and managing their clients. Oh. I don't want to go too much into detail, That's but really cool. we're really excited about it. Um, I kind of pitched it a little bit to one of my friends in the gym business and they were like, oh my gosh, what? That would be amazing. So right. we're excited about that. Um, we, we're definitely going to be going to cold traffic with supplements. So we're going to be doing supplement selling secrets as a cold traffic offer in the, in the next couple of months. So that'll be new. We're, um, we're kind of shifting it. So supplement selling secrets is our front end offer not gym launch. Interesting. It's, it's actually like a huge pain in the ass to kind of like switch yeah, things sure. up. Um, but it, it seems to make the most sense for us to have people enter into our business with this easy, smaller supplement selling secrets. They get the goods, they make money right off the bat. 
Then if they're gym owners, we can interest them in gym launch and they can build on that into gym legacy. Yeah, it totally all makes sense, right? So you guys are a remote company. Is that correct? I think all of your employees or most of your employees are remote. hundred percent. And how do you, how do you manage it that way? How does it scale? Walk us through some of the secrets and lessons learning that way. Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is our best friend. Yep. Um, uh, we, like I said, we have, you know, our set meetings and our huddles and our cadences. Um, everyone has, you know, their set one-on-ones with their supervisors, you know, direct reports every week as a company though, Um, we are, you know, we're learning now that we're bigger as well. And we're trying to figure out what the best way is to communicate with. It's actually now over a hundred employees. Um, we have monthly all company meetings, which are on zoom. It's required. It's required to be seated, butts in seats, camera on fully engaged, not on your phone. And we walk through and we repeat our vision, our goals, why we're here kind of walking through all that go through our wins, we discuss our core tenants, our mission, go through everything. And that is every single month, we have certain things we hit every time just to reinforce it. Wow. Um, and then there's always something new that's coming up too and questions and concerns and whatnot. We do um, monthly leadership trainings as well. So if somebody's interested in you know, growing into more of a leader within the business or if a supervisor thinks someone could benefit from those, everyone's welcome to attend. Uh, They have different topics. It could be time management. It could be talking about one of our core tenets, like don't sugarcoat it and talking about what that really means as a leader and what that means you need to do in order to own it. Um, Layla has started sending out weekly like announcements ish to the client, to all of our employees, um, kind of going through what's on her and Alex's mind right now. Hmm. What are they reading? What are they listening to? Um, some exciting things that are coming down the pipeline in all the different departments, uh, some recent wins and some kudos. And these, these are best practices at the nth degree for companies that have everybody showing up in the same office every day. It's, it's mm-hmm. amazing, or I guess it's, it's great that you're doing it with the remote team as well. Is that one of the reasons why you're successful or do you think, is it, is it your marketing expertise or is it a blend now of operational and marketing expertise that makes you successful? I think it's definitely marketing is great, but anybody can steal it and anybody can replicate it and run with it. So I think what really sets us apart is the support we provide our clients on top of the product. Mm. We have a full customer service and tech support team that's available via chat, Facebook, phone that helps all of our clients. That's what really sets us apart with them. Um, The business as a whole, we're really focused on hiring people that fit our culture. Um, We really try to model how Netflix did their culture interview um, with the culture deck and we do group culture interviews. Um, We actually just switched it up after the last COO event. So we have anybody that's doing a culture interview is another hiring manager, but has no idea who these people are being like what these people are being interviewed for. Right. doesn't matter. They don't know their resume. They don't know who they are, nothing. And the people that are doing the interview have no stake in it whatsoever. It's like the opposite departments will do it. Right just to weed out the crazies, as we like to well, say. And all you're looking for is who the cultural fit is. You're not rest, really looking for skill set at that point. Right. I mean, I would rather make sure that we get everyone in on the culture standpoint and then move them to skill set after that. If they don't make the culture, then it doesn't matter. You can't, you, it's really hard to teach culture. Yeah. Like, that's a very personal thing. Yeah, they asked Herb Kelleher, who started Southwest Airlines, how do you get all your employees to smile like that? And he said, I hire smiley people. 
Exactly. And you can't take the core behavioral traits that you want in people and train that. They either, they either live them already or they don't, right? Exactly. So Mimi, you have had to, obviously, in, in the two years you've been there, two and a half years, um, had to scale yourself as a leader. What are you working on today to grow? Hmm. I am trying to, I'm trying to replace myself a little bit right now, hmm. um, in a sense. So I'm, we're in the middle of hiring a CFO, and I just hired a director of operations. So I came to the realization that I cannot do what I need to be doing as COO if I don't have these other people in place. Yeah. Um, I really want to be able to walk through the big ideas with Alex more than I can right now and talk through like timelines and logistics and stuff before it even reaches our team and be proactive with that. I can't do that if I'm doing all the day-to-day stuff as well. Yep. Yeah, it needs to get done, but not by you. Exactly. So that's like my big goal right now is to, is to fill some positions so that I'm not involved in the day-to-day as much as I was. Um, I think one of the big things that honestly I took away from the COO Alliance was making sure that I make time for myself outside of work as well. So that was, that was a big thing. Um, I'm trying to make sure that I do something at least once a week with friends, you know, I go out by myself, maybe just something to get out because I think that um, recharges me and re-energizes me to come back to work and be even better. Totally. I had a hot tub today in the middle of the day. Um, I, t- <laughs> I had a bubble bath. So <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. See, that's one of the big one of the big benefits of working from home is I can hop up on the roof, have a quick hot tub, to, you know, come back down and do the calls. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. So if you were your twenty one year old self walking into your career and knowing you wanted to be a leader in in organizations, what's a big kind of parting word of advice that you would have, um, you know, loved to have known when you were twenty one that you can leave with everyone who's listening today? you are not hot shit. Whoa. What I would tell my 21 year old self. Um, I was, I think early in my years, I was very cocky because I was good and I was, there's a confidence and there's a cockiness. And I came across, across very cocky. Um, I thought I was hot shit because I was so good at what I was doing and growing and becoming more of an actual leader, not just an executor. I have had to tamper, temper that a lot. You know, Mm. that is not how a leader operates. That is not who I need to be for this company and for the people below me. This is not about me being successful. It's about our company being successful. And I'm defined by how my team succeeds at the end of the day, especially as a COO, I'm behind the scenes. Nobody sees what I do. It's all about what everyone else does. So I am not the hot shit that I thought I was and that I, you know, thought I needed to be, I need to be a different person now. Well, I, I think you actually are the hot shit that you thought you were. I think you are quite strong <laughs> as a COO. I'm glad that you've tempered the ego to make it confidence now as well. But Mimi Nakshine, uh, the COO for Gym Launch, thank you so much for sharing all of your secrets, say your wisdom with us today and say hi to Mimi and Alex. I'm glad you were able to share some of your ideas with us today. Thank you, Cameron. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.